0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor... The Sabres lost yet again on Tuesday night against the Detroit Red Wings. At first, things were looking real ugly. The Red Wings got off to a 4-0 lead before the Sabres finally woke up and scored three unanswered goals. It was not enough, though, as they couldn't tie the game and ultimately ended up losing 5-3. We've been saying it for months, how the Sabres need to make a big move to shake things up and take a step forward. Well, the Sabres did make a trade on Wednesday. However, instead of for a proven winger, they traded for Eric Robinson a 28-year-old fourth liner from Columbus who hasn't topped more than 30 points in a season and who was waived at the start of this year. Now, you may be thinking, okay, well, maybe they traded for him for his physicality or for his defensive prowess. Well, to that I say, has Kevin Adams ever made a smart trade for a good physical player in his tenure as GM, or has he traded for guys who are washed, but because they aren't good, they get billed as physical defensive players? Robinson's career high in points is 27 in 2021-2022 season, and his underlying numbers aren't better. Last year for the Blue Jackets, his core C4 percentage was 36.6%. And for those who aren't aware of the stat, it essentially measures if your team is controlling the puck more or less often with a given player on the ice. So above or below 50% is the measure of whether you have it more or less. So as you may imagine, 36%, not great. This season, in his seven games with Columbus, he has an expected goals for percentage of forty point three four percent, which among Columbus forwards is only higher than Patrick Liney, who's having a nightmare season, and Kent Johnson, who was sent down to the AHL earlier this year. This move
1: is interesting, even though it shouldn't be interesting given who who is involved, because it it's really all about what Kevin Adams' mindset is here. If his mindset is, oh, man, we got to do something. We got to make a move. Here's a move I'm going to make. Woof. This is as compared to uh, by our charging Buffalo friend, Joe Marino, who, by the way, predicted this move or something Absolutely like cra- it.
0: Absolutely I was going to shout out Joe right after this. <laughs> unbelievable. Night
1: on Twitter said they were going to make a move like, was it Bottrell that traded a fifth for Scott Wilson? I don't remember oh, yeah, if that's baby. One he referenced. But, yeah. Anyway, like that kind of bullshit move. I'd even compare it to – uh Michael leak in 2020. Mm. Either, either way, uh, just this kind of bullshit desperation move. And if that's the case, wow, Kevin Adams is more uh, in over his head than I thought. If it's, if there's a simpler explanation and a less dire one, it could possibly be that Zemkis Gergensens is very hurt and they're very concerned with his ability to come back and they're trying to get a someone who's going to be one, a... Left shooting fourth liner, so a guy that can play left wing, uh, to someone that can just dump and it won't be a big deal. And then, I guess that's it, those are the two qualifications. He is a fourth liner who didn't cost a lot of money, and it's no big deal if you
0: dump him but it uh, may- to the AHL. See, the thing is for me is like, how can anybody look at this? And, and by anybody, I mean Kevin Adams, how can you look at a move like this and think it does? anything for you i'm more mad that they made this trade i would have rather they didn't do anything at all as compared to giving up a a conditional seventh round pick whatever the hell that means two years from now that's what i'm like how can a a conditional seventh rounder two years from now for this guy who has played more ahl games this season than nhl games (laughs) and on top of that another thing that we've talked about at length even if it was a long-term Gergensen's injury that you were maybe potentially bracing for, or getting ready to deal with, are we more confident in having <laughs> having this guy playing on the fourth line than giving Lucas Rusek a look or Linus Weisbach or I mean, God, like Brandon Byro, Brandon Byro, obviously. What What is the point of this? Like, did did he think that this, in any way, shape, or form, is going to move the needle for the Sabers or as joe had kind of mentioned was this some sort of ceremonial like oh we need to have something happen at, at, for a shakeup because in reality a real shakeup it's not is a shakeup it's, it's not at all because a real shakeup is you're moving somebody out the door you you brought in nothing mm. for nothing but if you really wanted to send a message what are you doing just sitting on your hands and continuing to roll out the same guys every night what are you doing not trying to move somebody from the room so that these guys aren't feeling as complacent as they looked on the ice, send a message that if you're not doing your job, we are going to bring in people who will do it. If you are going to not play with a fire under your ass or with this disjointed lack of chemistry, hockey that they've been playing, send a message here and prove to these guys that you got to earn your keep here. Because as we talked about last episode, Maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit too much and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. But I think a real part of me is feeling as though the problem here is that they have kept this team together because of vibes for the sake of vibes. And because of that, it's allowed these guys to get a little too complacent as compared to feeling like they're playing for their jobs right now, or if they aren't, holding up their end of the bargain that something's going to happen. Somebody goes on waiver somebody gets traded, whatever. It, it feels like they're just like accepting mediocrity right now because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings.
1: Well, it definitely feels like that. I don't know. I I'm not even trying to give Adams the benefit of the doubt because he definitely hasn't earned it, but on this specific move, I I think the problem is when you make a move like this, when everything's going bad, the assumption is like, this is what you're doing to fix things. I think it's a possibility he's not, and I'll get some more of the larger Adams problems in a second, but, oh, and even Granado. but I think it's worth uh, pointing out that, yes, you are correct. If he's a Gergensen's replacement, that already isn't necessarily a great thing because Brandon Biro plays left wing. Can Brandon Biro just play in the fourth line? Brandon Biro is 25 years old. He's not uh, a prospect that's like 21 and has barely played in the pros. Like, no, it's like, if he's not up now, he's never up. So, if he's a fourth liner, that's good for him, and it's a reward for how well he's played in the AHL for the last few years. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of guys in the AHL. I don't know. Maybe if there's a one other possibility that makes sense, and it's it's why this is such a low-stakes trade, because there's a a really good chance, it seems, Brendan, that they traded for nothing. They traded nothing for this guy. Uh, I don't know what the conditions are, but they're probably not contingent on him playing in Rochester. But uh, I I look at this and I say I think most good AHLers would probably be better than him. But what if he's an AHL piece? What if Gergensen's comes back? Or what if they're just like, ah, oh, Byro's up here instead and wave him? That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But- it's really unrelated to everything else going on, if that's the case. And I think even thinking that does not absolve – I mean, it absolves kind of atoms of nothing, uh, basically, except this one particular trade. But you could have had was... him
0: for free two months ago.
1: That's he- a good point. He
0: cleared waivers. Yeah,
1: well, they didn't need him two months ago. I don't need him now either.
0: But I'm like, saying to your point, if they were like, oh, for Rochester or something, I mean. Well, no, you can't.
1: He'd have to go back on waivers.
0: Right, <laughs> exactly. But I don't think anybody's going to claim him. So you traded a seventh round pick for a guy that I would say probably in all likelihood is going to just end up back on waivers in a couple weeks anyways. Yeah, well, you probably didn't trade a seventh round pick either. <laughs> That's fair, too.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I th- I think this that's is a really – it's probably meaningless move in, like, best-case scenario. I guess best-case scenario, he's an okay fourth-liner. I wouldn't expect that, though, and I would expect, if anything, he's a good enough AHL player. But more to the point of this guy being bad-branded, you laid it out there with those numbers. He was the kind of guy who was good on the fourth line, like, two year, two-plus years ago, before two years ago, he was, like – the kind of good 4th line you'd want. He scored 12 goals a few years ago, good defensive player, physical player, all the things you want of a fourth-line winger. But now it's been those two years, and it's... A lot of times people go, oh, bad situation when someone's in a bad team. You know what bad situations are? Usually, except in the case of, like, the Ralph Kruger Sabres, and even them, it's the case, bad players. That was Columbus's problem last year. Columbus's problem... I mean, they were bad, so they didn't just have one problem. They were terrible. But... Biggest problem they had is they had the worst defensive numbers. Everyone on their team was a negative defensive player. That includes this guy. He was included in that. Like he played Robinson played. And aside from the hat trick he had on us in right. a, in a key game last season, he just, he was terrible. Like everyone else in the team was terrible. That's, that's how you end up being as much of a disappointment as Columbus was last year and continues to be there. The only team in the East worse than the Sabres, in my opinion, so far this year. So that's just, it's uh he's, it's seemingly very bad. I don't know where you're getting any idea of upside. Like this is worse than, I don't know, Jordan Greenway or Riley Stillman. They had significantly more upside. You could, you could look at it and say that guy's going to be a decent NHL player pretty easily in those cases. But man, I, at this case, I don't, I don't I don't know what you see but like I said I guess if it's if it's literally just the Girgenson's thing like I see Gergensen's replacement that's not good enough but it's understandable and if it's you think like temporary Gergensen's replacement if he's better than Biro or whoever Rusek uh he goes to the AHL and we could use bodies there I get it but I
0: don't love it But like that's also just not what the team needs right now. That's not what the priority should be. The not the priority. and I but a be, good use of time. Let's be clear. Yeah. We're we're talking about a seventh round pick. So I'm not like mad that they gave up an asset or anything. It's just what they got in return is, is nothing. And and you're investing your, your time. And regardless of how small an asset in a guy that, that does nothing for you, he doesn't move the needle at all. Now this trade comes through less than 24 hours after you lose to Detroit. Are we expecting that the Sabres are going to make some earth-shattering trade immediately after a, a game like that or something? Of course not. But if this was just some sort of like, here's some signs of life kind of move, I don't like it. If it was some kind of move that was rooted in a belief that this guy is going to move the needle for you in any way or be contributing to the to the team's success in any way, I don't like it even more because he's not. It, it, you You know what you're getting out of this guy. And I just, for the life of me, cannot think of any rational person with an ounce of knowledge of hockey that can look at this Sabre season and how things have played out and say, you know what they need to do right now, what they need to to take their time to, to go after, is a fourth line forward that has played more games in the AHL this year than NHL game. <laughs> is that bad? Well, well, like what, what are we doing? Like, what is the point? Like it, it, that's, and that's why I that's said, that's a before, broad question right there. I, I've been that? thinking about that a lot. What, what is the point? Right. What What are you trying to get out of this? What are you getting out of Robinson? Like we said that you couldn't get out of Byro, or you couldn't get out of Rusek or you, you, you couldn't get out of Weisbach. Uh, I just, for the life of me am failing to see, where the upside is with this at all. But yeah, because like I said, in the intro, any of the usual defenses that people have for, for moves like this, you know, you, you can look at any of Adams moves in terms of like adding something to the roster. And there's at least some sense of logic behind it. Greenway, you overpaid paying a second round pick for him at the time, but Somebody that's fallen out of favor with the current coaching staff there. He's young. Granado has a familiarity there. He's a big body guy. Maybe there's a little bit of upside because he's young enough and you can think you think you can get something out of him. Turn him around under Granado's system. The Clifton signing. He had success with Hampus Lindholm last year. He was on a really good Boston team. Yeah, he was in and out of the lineup at times, but Overall, you saw enough there that you can conceivably look at a move for a guy like that. Granted, three years has already proven to be too long, but you can look at that that deal and say, okay, there's at least something that gives you some semblance of logic here. Eric Johnson has been a disaster this year, but in the offseason, looking at that, he was a year removed from being a really quality defense, a quality bottom pair defenseman, something that this team needed. You think maybe with a change of scenery under Granado with this Sabres team, maybe it gets you back to where he was you get a good year out of him how he was two years ago which i don't think is that far-fetched in addition to the fact he's a former first overall pick he's a seasoned veteran he's a cup winner i get that what the hell does this dude do to make any kind of a difference in where the sabers are currently at right now and how desperately they need to try and be climbing out of the cellar at this stage of the game what does he do Because those other guys, even though to varying degrees, they haven't worked out. I know Greenway has definitely looked better this year. Clifton and Johnson have been terrible. But at least at the time, you can look at that and say, okay, there's some semblance of a rationale here. I'm not seeing that at all with this move. It doesn't feel like it's going to do anything to send a message to the locker room because nobody went out the door going the other way.
1: Yeah, definitely not. It's a
0: guy that, I would be shocked if he played more than 20 games this year for them, if we're being honest with bringing him in, you're bringing him in to a role that is not nearly as much. I feel as of a pressing need as compared to the other glaringly obvious needs that you have on the roster right now. And again, it lends to the point that we've been making that the Sabres have the luxury more than any other team in the NHL to have a wealth of assets that you can use to go out and get a player that will legitimately move the needle for you. And again, it just isn't happening and there's no excuse for it. There's not a single excuse you can give. I don't want to hear it's December, maybe movements not happening enough or like right now around the league, maybe conversations. I, I don't want to hear any of that. You had the opportunity to, in the off season to go and do something that was going to make a difference for this team. And what was coming off of the best season that this organization has had throughout the drought in over 10 years, you are having, you're one point away from the playoffs. You had glaring needs at each position at forward at D and in net. And he did not do a God thing. And it's inexcusable then It was inexcusable when the season kicked off and it's even more inexcusable now because the wheels are falling off. And the last thing I'll say is that he's like Adams, Granado, Pagula, all of them. It's just a mix of anger and indifference in a way that I'm feeling right now about the fact that before the season started again, with, how well the end of last year went the career years that you had out of those guys. We called out throughout the off season, all of the things that this organization, this regime needed to be mindful of with regard to, to building this roster for this year so that you're set up for success to make the playoffs. We knew the risks going in with with goaltending for example with levi that it's a historically unprecedented thing and you're going to rely on this guy to play you're, you're thinking he's going to play 50 games for you or that was at least what their plan was banking on the fact that upl or comry are going to be able to keep their heads enough above water so that it's not going to completely torpedo things thankfully goaltending hasn't been one of the issues this year but that's purely by luck and it's still early enough in the season that i'm not fully on the upl is fixed train or anything like that uh-huh. but you you had these obvious moves standing in front of you that they didn't do but either way you had all of this goodwill that was i think built up with the fans a little bit after how well last season went and in addition to not making a move at forward not getting a power uh, a partner for Owen power all of this in spite of all of this a lot of people still calling all of those things out allowed the excitement of last year to get in the way of the fact that people still were like, I think that this could still be a playoff team. I was one of those people. I picked them to make it as a wild card. Or I I think I had them coming in third because I was like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of, of, of the pessimism here. Maybe this is going to be what it takes saying all of that idiotically Right after I go through, after we would go through and say all the things that they didn't do in the off season that they should have done, but we were like, you know what? Let's try and at least like enjoy this a little bit. And, and we couldn't even have that. It's, it's not even Christmas and it already feels like the sky is falling. And it's just so disappointing that the little ounce of goodwill that we had towards them has just completely dissipated now. Because now I'm I, I the playoffs are you quite literally need a miracle to get in. You need a a, a statistical anomaly. You need like a Blues, St. Louis Blues, Jordan Bennington esque run, to be able to even be sniffing the conversation. And the Sabers have more games played than most of these teams right now. And once that starts to even up and 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 they start getting uh caught up with them and the amount of games played. It's going to get ugly with the the points disparity from how far back that they're going to be. It's just, it's, it's so disappointing. It's so just demoralizing Taylor. Absolutely.
1: But there's also some big news that just came across the wire, a big trade, finally a trade, a move of consequence. You're shitting me. Finally, a GM that's been sitting on his hands for too long and and getting re- like just raked over the coals by fans makes a big deal. Brian Cashman is traded for Juan Soto.
0: It did happen.
1: It happened.
0: There we go. For
1: Michael King, Drew Thorpe, and Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and my dude Kyle Higashioka. So, folks, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? S- straight up Yankees. I'm not doing that. That's terrible. <laughs> I 80 of our listeners just turned the podcast off because I said that. Sorry, but guys. I'll tell we you really what. <laughs> yeah uh just tell us you know what if you want to laugh you can just tell me right now Soto's not going to resign they gave all that up for one year I won't even have a comeback anyway getting back to what you were talking about I actually hold on we should probably take a break first and then I want to say something kind of similar but somewhat different about uh how I feel about all this because I because I feel a similar way but anyway before that folks This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. So, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the Sabres are taking on the Bruins in Boston tonight. No, that's not a threat. That's just a fact I'm reading off this sheet. Um, Right now, though, looking at DraftKings lines, this is crazy for an NHL regular season games. The Bruins on the money line are minus 258. (laughs) Wow, a regular season NHL game. That is uh, certainly something. It's not even like a tank team versus a president's trophy winner. Oof. So if you want to bet on that or any other... Interesting NHL action coming up. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. And your call, 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text hope at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-788. Seven nine 7, seven 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 seven, or visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, twenty-one and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred sixty-eight hours after issuance. Cdkng.com/slash/hockey terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL twenty twenty three. All rights reserved. Anyway, getting back to to this, I think. This idea was floated recently on Twitter, and at first it seems like a crazy thing, and I thought about it, and it's not that crazy, I guess. The idea of Kevin Adams being the president of Hockey Ops and hiring another GM. And I was trying to think of the, the pluses and minuses here. If you're just, if you're being a, you know, not even that irrational of a fan, you could say Kevin Adams look at what he did this year. This is it. This is your four. This is your shot. You're out. But I think it's pretty clear based on the fact that he didn't do that much this season, that there is some acceptance from ownership about patience or this not being the year or whatever, which I find appalling, but not the year, but this should be a year, a year in the playoffs. You know, the thing half the fucking league does. (laughs) I'm not going to get too much into that. Get it. That makes me think Adams isn't getting fired. So I look more at Adams now. And do we trust Adams to take this from what now looks like it might be like, back to two years ago, like a 75 point team. Do you trust him to take that and make the improvements and, and, and the subtractions, additions, whatever, that will help this team become what usually is takes like 95, 97 points to make the playoffs. Can you do that? Do you trust them to do that? And I don't know, at this point, it's, it's getting really hard. I would have said yes, a few months ago, but now I, I have no idea. So, it, it seems like finishing the job is tough for him. And that's a lot of what a GM does the day to day, you know, not, you know, negotiating. So you don't have to go up a second for Jordan Greenway. You get us, you do a third instead and, you know, finding someone who's a little bit more impactful than Riley Stillman and, and maybe finding a better free agent goalie than Eric combre or, or maneuvering the market better, whatever, all these things. But despite, I would, I would be very surprised to go back to my 2020 self. That guy would be very surprised to hear that Adams is actually good at a lot of things, that they've become a better and smarter drafting team, that he's put together a really good front office full of people uh, that are really respected in the hockey world, like Carmanos, like all the analytics guys, like many people they've hired in the past few years. That makes me think he'd be a fine president. He's underqualified in terms of what usually gets you to be a president of hockey operations. There's no doubt about it, but we live in the world we live in and that's the world where Terry Pagula owns the Sabre. So is this a good not best case scenario, but considering that, is that a good scenario where they hire a GM? Even if that GM is Carmanos, who has enough AGM experience, I think that he would be a reasonable GM candidate and that you bring another AGM under him. That's not the craziest idea. And the reason it, it isn't is two things. Well, one is the thing I already mentioned. no he's not getting fired. The other thing is you need someone who can do those things. If you think they draft well, yeah, they do draft well. You think they mostly make... I shouldn't say they mostly make reasonable decisions. They don't always make reasonable decisions, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like he's, it, it seems like the evidence against Adams is that it's that he hasn't, he can't finish the job of putting a coherent team together. It's that he hasn't been good at free agency. He hasn't been good at jumping on things that they need in the market. He hasn't been good enough in the trade market. And he hasn't been serious enough about them making the playoffs, but he also hasn't been like total, like uh who was the guy in Minnesota a couple of years ago, now that I'm forgetting his name, that was the GM for like a year because he was such a disaster.
0: The pre-Bill Guerin
1: GM? Yeah. He hasn't been like that. He hasn't been like, he hasn't just done everything wrong pretty much the way Bottrell did. He hasn't uh, had like the kind of weird, dumb way of building a team that Tim Murray has. We were talking about Kevin Adams in a pretty positive way a few months ago. Not overly positive, but like, it's because they are good at some of these things. You're thinking of Paul Fenton, by the way. Yes, Paul Fenton. Yeah, he was just mentioned by Josh in a recent podcast. But,
0: but can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What has he done to deserve a promotion? Well, I didn't say he deserved a promotion. Well, that's my whole point of why I don't like that idea anymore. I feel like I previously liked that idea, but he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't done anything of 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 meaning or positive consequence while this team has been trying to win games. And if what we're going to hang our hat on is the fact that he helped hire the right people to make the good decisions that have been made, that's all the more reason to just let the guy walk. I would rather not have him be the one at the top here because if, say in this instance it does happen, and obviously this is all speculative, say he does do that. Say he becomes the president of Hockey Ops. You name Carmanos general manager, you uh, you bump up Ventura to assistant general manager. What if they do want to be aggressive, but he just cuts them at the knees and he does and he doesn't allow it because at the end of the day, the buck is still going to stop with Kevin Adams. He's still going to be the one that makes the final call, even if you do promote him to president of hockey ops and you have a new general manager. And again, he's gutless. He, he, he is afraid. Until proven otherwise, this dude is afraid of making a mistake. And that's not how you can be a, pod, a, a good GM in this league. He, I think, is why I don't want him to be the GM. At, well, or in the front office at all, of then, or president of hockey apps, whatever. All of these guys who are stepping in or firmly in their primes, the ELCs that you have on the books that you can utilize to have to add depth throughout the lineup and sit on your hands and do nothing. He, I there's agree, just... but but this is why I think it's a good
1: move because I think what would the reasonable fear for him is he knows what's been going on in the organization. He knows that Murray got three and a half years and that Botro got, I think, three, three years. Yeah, so he knows that Pagula can have a quick trigger with the GM if he thinks things are really going wrong, if things seem hopeless. So this would be. I'm not saying this is hundred percent true, but it would make sense that he looks at that and goes, Oh, we just have to always be building for, we have really good prospects. We haven't, we haven't cashed our chips in yet. So things can still go good. And he could keep selling Terry on that for a short while. That's not a good thing. Uh, And he knows if he got fired after three or four years with the Sabres and he had no playoffs to show for it, whatever uh, he would be, who knows where he'd be. Cause I don't know where Murray is right now. I know Darcy and, uh, Pacho got jobs after that, had to go back to the AGM world. Well, guess what? Kevin Adams isn't from the AGM world. And Kevin Adams has a life in Buffalo and a family here.
0: He Can I ask just you be... a question? Yeah. Can I ask you a question with regard to this? Yeah. If they weren't currently working for the Sabres right now, would Kevin Adams or Don Granato have a job anywhere else in the league?
1: Uh, Granato, yeah. If Granato wanted to, An NHL to, yeah. job? An NHL head coaching job or assistant? Yes.
0: Their current roles right now. no. Would Adams no, have a role in any front office given what – I mean, I'm sure now if he gets fired, he could catch on as an AGM somewhere. But I what does think, he have to hang on would. his resume? Like, No, he
1: doesn't. And I – well, uh, Granado, that's an interesting question. I think that could go – it would depend on what kind of career you wanted. Guys are getting hired for the first time at like kind of older ages now. Like Lambert's a good example. And there's someone else I was thinking of that just got hired for the first time at like 60. But anyway, uh, that's what I'm saying. Adams is just – that could be it. So he knows that. So there's that fear. And that, I think – that could be an explanation for the driving force behind why he wants to take things so slow and why he wants to have such a safe approach you promote him to president of hockey ops that goes away the decisions are off his head and he's just has the infrastructure there yeah they 100% that that fear of getting fired that goes away instantly because you're not firing a president of hockey ops you just promoted that that a president of hockey ops gets to hire another gm
0: this it's is like, just such a uh and i'm not saying you i'm just saying like the logic behind this while i get it oh my god what a fucking nightmare way of running an organization
1: i agree and i'm not saying it's or
0: operating but, as an organization
1: but here's my thing now there's basically three doors you can choose here this is the this is a situation we have you have this one i laid out and it doesn't have to be carmanos as the gm you can hire Adams can hire whatever GM candidate he wants and keep Carmanos at AGM. That's kind of whatever. I just thought he he's, he's right there and he has a, as good of a resume as anyone. That's that one. The second one is you – the more likely one is that you just retain Adams. Adams is GM again next year, and you go forward, and you just hope that he gets a little more aggressive. And maybe Pagula says, like, hey, playoffs next year would be great. And then they hopefully in the next uh, 10 months, probably more like eight months – start to actually make moves like they want to be good next year and they want to contend. The third option is the other option is that you fire Adams and Terry Pagula leads another coaching or GM search. Those that's not necessarily.
0: It's bleak. It's that's, bleak it's is bleak. what it is.
1: It's, it's fascinating though. Cause I think a lot of teams probably would have hired to the opposite point of Adams. No one would have hired him. A lot of teams would have hired Botrell or Tim Murray,
0: right? Yeah. I I would agree. Highly Adam, GMs. They absolutely would. Yeah. Can I ask you a question with regard to Granato specifically? Yeah. I personally feel like just with how things have gone this year with the step back that's happened, that there is at least two guys currently on the street right now that I would rather have as a coach. And I'm curious your thoughts rank these guys in order of who you would want to be the Sabres head coach right now, Don Granado, Bruce Boudreau and Dean Evason. Oh, Boudreau, Evason. Um.
1: Jay Woodcroft.
0: Or Woodcroft, yeah, <laughs> even if you wanted to throw him in. I mean
1: – Boudreaux, like, number one probably. Yeah. He's a good coach. He's been good everywhere. Like, they
0: – Didn't get a fair up. shake in Vancouver.
1: No, he didn't. And it was a very short time that he was in Vancouver. Anyway, his winning percentage wasn't bad. I mean, hey, it's it's good that now they have a coach who's willing to tell them, hey, shoot 12%. Hey, Thatcher Demko, save 94% of your shots. Yep. If Boudreaux had thought of that, he'd still be there. Simple. But anyway, yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm forgetting the guy's name. He was the Arizona coach who was on TV, Rick Tockett. Uh, yep. Great job at Rick Tockett, Jack Adams winner right there. Those are great ideas. So Boudreaux have been great everywhere regular season-wise, and that's all they need is to get to the playoffs. If they go to the playoffs and shit the bed there in the first round, uh, that's uh, that's a step up. Then we'll take they it You still from accomplish something. Yeah, Evanson – Eh, nah, I could go either way. I don't I don't really care. Uh and those oh wait Woodcroft I mentioned. Woodcroft, uh his thing uh, Edmondson got a lot better when he was there. I think their their surrounding talent between their two big guys got better, but like I don't know. They, look at you that roster. You put Granado
0: fourth. You put Granado fourth.
1: Third. Tied for third with Evanson. But yeah, I, I don't I mean Granado's to to my uh, my opinion is stock has dropped a lot this season because it's just it's just a lot going wrong and it doesn't seem like he has any answer for it. It doesn't seem like there's been any adjustment. And I think he has to wear this a little bit the fact that his expected goals for the T Sabers expected goal this year is forty six percent. That means that's that's really close oh. to the bottom of the league. That's really bad. Last year they weren't a great expected goals team. They, out- they outpaced their expected goals for because probably because of their talent and their power play was scoring, but it was like 48 and a half. And I think with guys getting older and some additions, you see that get to around 50 with the talent you have, the power play you should have. That should be above 50. Granado has to obviously wear that. He has Matt Ellis and they have a power play who, while it's been playing better lately, has not been good enough considering their talent. They also, you also have to look at how they haven't started well in any of these games. That feels like it could be a coaching contribution right there. Right? And you can't, you can't go into them being a young team. They're a young team with a, a lot of guys who are quite literally at this point, only there to be good veterans. I mean, Connor Clifton is supposed to be better than he is. And you wouldn't have thought Zemgis would have went as bad as he was this year, but Oposo and Eric Johnson are there for their leadership. You, you can't just, you can't point to them being a young team. So there's a lot of bad things with Granado and the way he hasn't adjusted. And, and frankly, the way that, they just don't look like they're the same team as last year, scoring-wise. Uh, I think there's a lot of positive you could say about Granado's time, which you couldn't have said about the previous handful of coaches. But at a certain point, you have to have standards for winning, and it's not just about developing. And some coaches are the guy before the guy. That's not a it's not the worst thing to be. It's not like you're Ralph Kruger or whatever, or even Phil Housley. But it's that's it's, it's just very disappointing. To answer your question about if you could have got a job though. I don't know what he'd be doing, but I, I said this, I think a while ago, he had a better head coaching resume than Ralph Kruger coming in when they're both yeah, coming I agree. In, in 2019 that Kruger got hired. And I, I think I would look at both their resumes and say Granato should have, I would have
0: thought Granato would be the guy bringing in Kruger, but what are you yeah. going to do? No, that's fair. And, and listen, I'm not trying to pile on the guy or anything like that, but Like you said, it's about having standards for yourself and for what this team's goals are and and being honest with yourself and being practical about them. This is a year that they absolutely could have, should have been in the mix for the playoffs because ultimately I don't care how long Adam says that his plan is it doesn't take that long to turn a team around and get them to being a playoff team. I I can't remember who it was. Somebody had a great tweet the other day that was essentially like the Kings won multiple cups, tore it all down rebuilt and are back to being a cup contender in the entirety of the Sabres playoff drought. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Yes, that is true. And they even, they didn't even just tear it down right away after those cups yeah, they, they, they had like four years, or or maybe more than four years, of being like, no, Midland. no, this can still work. This yep. can still work, and it wasn't working. And they're like, ah, fuck it, we'll rebuild. <laughs> yeah, I guess they didn't tear it all down in the middle, and they did a good job of. Hmm. Oh, Brendan, tell me if this sounds like an interesting concept. They, the past few years, have tried to win with guys who were in their prime and older, while also bringing along a younger core and making aggressive moves. Does that sound interesting.
0: Yeah, I would really like it if Kevin Adams can go out and get a guy like Kevin Fiala or even though he hasn't been as great this year, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, they made the move for Victor Arvidson to bring him into the fold. Like they, they have tried, they have done stuff, they have taken swings. We always use the New Jersey example, but the Kings are another one that you can totally look to of like, go out and make these savvy moves. And when the opportunity arises that a good young player in his prime fiala dubois whatever even though they overpaid a little bit for dubois but fiala perfect example be the one to go out and get those guys don't be the one that is in the aftermath saying oh well this team had more assets or this team wanted him more or this fits better with this timeline or that go out and make something happen it is literally your job it's what you are paid to do yeah. your job is to go out and make this team better to ice a team that is capable of making the playoffs and they've had enough time to get to that point. Like, yeah. And, and, and to be honest, you can't look at just this year in a vacuum. Like this is the entire regime we got to be talking about here.
1: And you mentioned there some of the, the big moves the Kings have made and there's levels to it. Everyone wants to make a Dubois level move. And I would do that too. Uh, He, he himself, that specific move, he was never coming to Buffalo, but, the Kings made other moves and this is the kind of move I thought the Sabres might make. Cause you know, there's a few, like two to three of those Dubois level moves a year. Maybe there's a lot of opportunities to make moves. Like, like you mentioned, Fiala, Philip Deneau, Victor Arvidson, all guys they brought in in the last yep. three years. Those are all, none of those guys are Dubois level. None of those guys are going to play that all-star game probably, but they all are like needle movers. Guys that, you know, those guys can all play in your middle six. They can be on your top line in a pinch. The kind of guys you need, they're like a second line. And I know the, Sabre, the Sabres have a second line specifically, but this actually would have been more for the blue line, bringing in someone who could play in your second pairing with Owen Power. The Victor Arvidsson of defense to play with Owen Power. Yeah. I, I, like, so, and that's speaking the kind of thing they, they need to make. Not, they ended up making, you know, Eric Johnson, that's whatever it is. I mean, you, you you knew what that was going in. It's a little bit worse than I thought it was going to be. But Connor Clifton. If if you thought that's the kind of movie made with Connor Clifton, you fucked up, Kevin Adams. Connor Clifton is not that mm-hmm. kind of guy, and everyone, including myself, I'll say this: I should have been more concerned.
0: Uh, but about the fact that he was benched in the playoffs, but yeah, wow, that's ridiculous. And they took a swing at Gavrikov too, and ended up re-signing him as well. Yeah, yeah, another example of them going out and getting a guy. Absolutely, like that's that's how you take a step. That's how you are good like the Kings now they have Cam Talbot like resurrecting his career right now and are one of the favorites in the west and it's not by just sitting on their hands they're not like oh man we need to you know like wait around and make sure that like we keep each and every one of our prospects or or whatever they went out and made these moves happen they used the assets that they have accumulated over these past couple of years and were able to go get quality talented nhl players while still maintaining their young core with guys like quentin byfield or arthur kylev like they have been able to do that this is not something that's like this where one is mutually exclusive over the other like you can have your core but utilize the other assets that are at your disposal to help that core take the next step yeah And they just aren't doing it. The the team—it's a a roadmap that's used around the league, but for whatever reason, this team just can't wrap their minds around it. And I mean, I'm getting right. Like, we'll see how the rest of the calendar year goes. Like uh, through the end of this month, if it's continuing at this rate, you really, I think, got to cut ties with Granado. And if uh, I believe we referenced this last episode, but like. If we're at this point next year and things haven't changed, Adams needs to be gone. Full out. Like there oh yeah. There's no more excuses. There wasn't any excuses going into this year. Half the teams make it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the the thing with the Adams thing is that he he's painted himself into a corner here. Now he has to do all his aggressive stuff in one season. Yep. And now people are gonna be expecting Uh, One player. This is why you give yourself multiple chances. Watch the NHL playoffs. It's not haves and have nots. Like there's obviously teams that are not good enough to make it. And there's guys, you know, blah, blah, blah. The hot goalie thing happens, but a lot can happen. This is not the NBA. It's not the NFL. A lot can happen. Get in. Yep. Like, you want to give yourself multiple cracks at this, not just because something can happen when you're good something, or something good can happen when you're at a wild card, because something bad can happen when you have 110 points. That's why you want to do that. Ask Boston. You need a lot of cracks at this to make it happen. Should ask Washington. They needed to make the playoffs like 14 times before they won the cup.
0: But anyway,
1: also uh, we
0: have these rivet before we sign off. We have the riveting conditions. Yeah. I of just the Eric that. Robinson trade. <laughs> Folks, Columbus receives the pick if Eric Robinson plays 45 NHL games this year. So essentially we traded him for nothing because there's no way he's playing more than 45. That's right. Or anything, even sniffing that. Taylor, any last thoughts before we sign off for the day? Go Bonnie's. Go Bonnies, baby. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're following the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode, please make sure you leave us a nice little rating or a review as we'd very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our amazing sponsor that we just love oh so dearly. Goodness, we just love them so much. That's DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Taylor, we're going to be back with a new episode on Monday. I can't wait to recap this Bruins game on Thursday. Everyone else, we hope you have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. This has been Straight Up six i